Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for a bit of a special episode. Uh, next week, we will resume our regularly scheduled programming with our coverage of Overkill's Horoscope album from 1991. But before we get there, a little bit of a, a bonus episode where we kind of look back on Prog Power USA 21, which is where we've been for the last week and why we didn't record an album for this Monday. Um, before we do a deep dive into the festival and what we liked and maybe what some of the things we didn't like or didn't care for, Chris, how are you? I'm good. Um, my voice is still recovering from, I think Stradivarius' set did me in, uh, voice-wise. I, I, I could barely speak above a whisper come, uh, I believe it was Saturday Saturday afternoon, I uh, went to lunch and like nobody could even hear me talk. Um, so I'm on, you know, other than that, um, I feel good, which unfortunately a lot of people who attended the festival can't say the same right now. There's, there, there seems to be a bit of a, a COVID spread, uh, which I guess was to be expected, but it sounds like everybody's kind of, uh, nobody has anything, any serious case. So, um, you know, and I think everybody was kind of willing to take the chance just to get back to doing something that we love after a three-year absence. And uh, I, I know um, I have no regrets, and I doubt anybody else does either. Yeah, kind of a calculated risk, I guess, at this point. But I won't get in, I won't get into that. Anyone that's not feeling well, I, I send my I send my best. Um, but I think I can speak for everyone and say that it was a very very enjoyable weekend. And obviously. Uh, you know, I put the shout out on our social media pages, you celebrating your 40th birthday. So uh, another happy birthday to you. I hope it was everything that you thought of uh, and more. And I can't really wait to, you know, we, we haven't discussed anything about the fest. I guess it was almost like a conscious decision not to. We would just go right to hit the record button and then kind of just let our let our thoughts go from there. And I'm, I'm really curious about a number of different things. Um, so I, I think this should be fun. It should be different. And it should just be a, a nice kind of recap for anyone that was there. And for uh, anyone that wasn't there, I think you'll get a real sense of uh, what you might have missed. Because I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of everything uh, over the next uh, you know few minutes or what have you. Yeah, I also think this will be good to um, get some things recorded that maybe uh, we might not have necessarily remembered if we didn't talk about it a couple of days later. I can't even imagine the kind of stuff we've forgotten over the years that we've experienced at Prog Power just because there was no way to, for us to record it. So uh, now it's uh, we have it for prosperity. Uh, can go back and listen to it and relive our, our experience. Yeah, in fact, we probably should have done this 20 times already, but uh, we'll, we'll start with this one. And I'll just say my week got off to a kind of a, a shaky start. I flew in on Tuesday and I got in my car. I was driving to the airport and I got the news that my flight had been canceled. So I said to myself, we are off to a rocking, rocking start already. But fortunately, um, there were flights every hour out of New York City into Atlanta. So they had bumped me from like an eight from a 9.30 flight to like 11.45 or something like that, I was able to jump on a 10.30 flight and I was I was on the ground before one o'clock, which was awesome. And I was able to kind of just get settled in um, before Wednesday's show even started. It was kind of, I, I found that while I'm kind of eager to get home after the festival is over on Sunday, getting there a little bit early just makes it that first day a little more palatable and a little bit less stressful. And I think you could probably agree with that as someone who's, uh, I know you flew in this year, but traditionally you kind of 
taking the pilgrimage in the car for, for 14 hours to get there. Yeah. And uh, after flying this year, I can safely say I don't think I will ever drive again. Um, it's just such a, a time sap and it just tires you out. You know, it's a it's a good 15 hour drive. And uh, it, we we flew in, we got in it around. Uh, I don't know. Was it around three forty-five? And uh, we're back. We were at the hotel by five o'clock, and you know we could just kind of chill. And uh, um, I, I too had a little bit of an issue with. Um, I found out that my girlfriend had um, tested positive for COVID on Saturday morning, and um, so I spent the rest of the weekend basically quarantining myself <laughs> from her in hopes that I would not get uh, sick right before I had to fly out. And uh, so it was I was um, I was very nervous and anxious. And uh, turns out everything worked out OK. I tested negative right before I left and I just got on that plane. I didn't look back. Um, so that was kind of uh, I, I was already kind of relieved just to be just to be at the airport in the first place. Um, just knowing that I was, uh, that I kind of skinned the cat on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was nice to kind of just have that Tuesday kind of, uh, early evening, late evening to chill. And, um, I, I happened to, uh, not have tickets for the Wednesday show. So I ended up having another real, like just full day to just kind of mellow out and, and just kind of get, um, just get situated and comfortable. And by the time the first band went on on Thursday, I, I was, I was ready to go. I'll, um, I'll give you a little bit of a recap for me for Wednesday. It was game one of the, uh, Eastern conference finals. So I was as a big Rangers fan, my eyes were all set on the TV at eight o'clock. Um, not that I didn't enjoy bands like hypocrisy and flotsam and clone and, and mind maze, but the reality is, um, of the four, the band I wanted to see the most was Clone. And I actually was able to catch their set. I think they ended by around 7 o'clock. And I was able to go not even miss any of the uh, opening puck drop, which was perfect, perfect timing. Clone was was good. I, I don't know that they're the kind of band that I would ever kill to see live. But being somewhat familiar with their back catalog, not, I'm not going to say I'm an avid fan. Definitely worth seeing the set. Um, one of the progier bands there the entire weekend, I have to be honest with you, but they put on a good show. I think they were in uh, really good live form having done the tour with Pain of Salvation over the last uh, couple of weeks. And um, they, because they were obviously out on that tour, I think they only had about 45 minutes as an opener. Here they got to play a full hour and uh, you know the, the prog crowd really, I think, ate them up. I'm not, I'm not sure that the power metal fans <laughs> enjoyed them because they are a little quirky. But you know, at the end of the day, good set. Uh, and then I got out of there. I had seen Flotsam and Jetsam live um, on 70,000 tons. I did want to see Hypocrisy. I was hoping that I would be able to catch the end of their set. But as I got back to um, the area in Midtown where the concert was, Hypocrisy had just been let out. And the crowd was kind of filling, fill, filling out of the arena. So I, I, I was upset. I, I literally just missed them by about five minutes. But um, I, from all accounts, they put on a fantastic show, although I heard it was very heavy with the smoke machines, very hard to actually see the stage because of how much smoke was billowing out. But um, a, a band that I'm sure I will catch more likely than not on that cruise at some point. Yeah, um, everybody that I uh, had that talked to that was a fan of the any of those four bands were really pleased with 
the performances. Um, I really wanted to see Mind Maze, um, but I just really wasn't familiar enough with the other three bands to justify paying what the ticket costs. So I kind of uh, decided to make a, a, a financial decision and, and just kind of not attend, which is a rarity, but um, it, it, you know, sometimes you just have to, to kind of weigh whether something is worthwhile. And uh, I just decided that, you know, a lot of my close friends I was with also um, weren't going. So kind of just made for another night. I, I went to sleep early that night actually. Cause I kind of uh, the first night there um, just said like so many people are starting to show up on Tuesdays now. Um, so it, turns into an extra kind of like night of socialization in the courtyard. So um, me and um, my friends kind of stayed up pretty late. I think we uh, were asked to leave the courtyard at 4 a.m. Um, so that's what we did. And then we went to sleep. So uh, it was a good, um, it was like a good first day and a half of just kind of, you know, chill vibes. I mean, and you got to see uh, your, uh, your Rangers win and, um, I'm sure you probably got some some good eats while you were there. Uh, we went to the Vortex on Wednesday. I know you were there as well, so uh, that's always uh, a, a, a you know a highlight. And that wouldn't be my only visit to the Vortex <laughs> that weekend. But we also did some cooking in our room as well as uh, we had some friends that drove from Texas that brought a enormous. Um, gumbo pot and made some homemade gumbo so we i made homemade pasta so we had some good like homemade food breakfast food we made it was nice to have like a, a hotel suite that had a, a full kitchen so um that was kind of the uh the food aspect of it finally on sunday i woke up late and i'm um, well you know we'll get there when we get there but uh um i had uh silver skillet delivered to me from my room for my friends which was awesome. wonderful <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that as we kind of get into uh, a little bit later in the week. I Wednesday morning before before I went to the show before the Rangers game, I wake up and uh, we go. We leave the hotel with the intention of going to the Silver Skillet. I try to go there once. It's kind of a famous diner in the Atlanta area for those that aren't aware of it. It's uh, a number of movies have been shot there, television shows, etc., and it's got a real like Southern charm feel to it. Uh, as we are leaving the hotel, we bump into three guys from Arion, and I didn't really know what they looked like. I just knew that like they had the look of somebody in a band. So we had you know basically walked out of the hotel together, asked them um, you know who they were because they. Were I, I'm of the opinion that everyone from Finland looks like they're in a band. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. And within three seconds, they had introduced themselves. They said that, uh, you know, they were some of the guys from Arion. They were obviously in town a little bit early. They asked what we were doing. We said we were going to breakfast. They said they were going to breakfast. Uh, they said they were going to Starbucks. We said, no, you're not. You're going to the Silver Skillet. And then the five of us proceeded to have breakfast because I said to them, and, and it was funny because they're like, yeah, we can get, we, we wanted to play it safe. We know we can get Starbucks in, in Finland. I said, you can't get the silver skillet in Finland, so you're going to join us for breakfast. So we, we took them out to breakfast. We had a really nice time. Uh, it turns out that later that day, a couple of the guys were actually going into Nashville because they're actually really into country music, which I don't think anybody's aware of. So two of the guys jumped on a bus for three or four hours, go to Nashville, and they spent a couple of days there before they would ultimately play um, – later in the weekend. So it was it was kind of funny or what have you. And the other guys were kind of out west waiting for um 
basically doing a separate leg of the trip and then everyone was going to reconvene before the show. Really, really nice guys. Got me, just talking to them got me excited about their set. I'm sure we'll, we'll get there um, in due time. But that was kind of what kicked off the, the, the week for me on Wednesday before the show, before the Rangers game. And then I started looking forward to Thursday because for me, top to bottom, Thursday night had the most potential in terms of lineup. Um, only five bands, not six, but each one so separate and distinct from the rest uh, that I got there for the start of the show when Wilderun played, and I didn't leave the I didn't leave the venue until the second Stradivarius ended, uh, and I think it's kind of worth going through that night in detail because dollar for dollar, uh, minute for minute, note by note, that was my favorite night of the festival by a pretty wide margin. Uh, well, I was there the entire time myself, and that's pretty rare for me. I like to bounce around a lot, but also I, sometimes I find it's hard to pull yourself back to the venue after getting back to the hotel and getting re-comfortable. And, you know, uh, so I just stuck around and just uh, had me some uh, had me some yinglings, uh, many, many yinglings that uh, just throughout the whole night. And, and yeah, I stayed for all five bands and, and um, I really enjoyed all five bands. And, and like you said, um, just five very unique and distinctive sounds all really good um in in their own right um uh, you know Wilderun opened it up and and they played four songs <laughs> in an hour and uh i thought they sounded incredible um you know obviously it's not like you know my milieu was as far as music goes but just sonically the band sounded so tight and i had heard some people say like they were so happy to hear them, you know, play with a professional sound system and not at some like bar using like bar monitors or whatever. And they actually could shine, you know, using really good equipment with a good soundboard and a good mix. And, and boy, they sure delivered. I thought that was an unbelievable set. They, I, I've seen them. That was my third time seeing them. I saw them once on 70,000 tons, once uh, opening, I think it was for, was it Unleash the Archers? They they played with somebody here in New York a couple of months ago, and I obviously I caught their set. I mean, actually, it may have been Swallow the Sun, forgive me. Really, really good show. Um, but I always found that their mix was very muddy. And because they have so much orchestration and just so much stuff going on with their sound, um, I, I always thought that their live show just didn't match the records or the albums that I was very familiar with the last two in particular, the new one from this year and, and the last album, Veil of Imagination. What I can tell you is this was by far the best performance I've ever seen them put on. They sounded great and it was so nice. And you mentioned it earlier, you kind of like uh, spoiled my, my lead here. It was so nice to hear them with this professional mix. Um, it was by far the best set I've ever heard from them. They played four songs, like you mentioned, one of which was Far From Where Dreams Unfurl, which is just one of my absolute favorite songs by them. They 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 put on a clinic, and I thought it was like the perfect opening band, especially um, for, for what was to come with a lot more power metal and, and then obviously Painted Salvation later in the night, um, but just a really, really good job. And, and the, the contrast between them and Spectra, who would go on next, I thought was phenomenal. Spectra is more of a melodic metal band. They're on the Frontiers label. They happen to be Jeff Scott Soto's backing band, and they would play a prominent role in the rest of the weekend, which we'll get to. Um, but I thought that that was just a really good set. 
not my favorite set of the weekend, but it provided such a nice contrast between them and between um, Wilderun and Seven Spires who would come after. I just thought it was well-placed. And I feel like this festival needs a band like that every year, just that melodic metal band that you can kind of enjoy, have a beer. You know, obviously they did a cover of Perfect Strangers, which was awesome and, and just something I could sing along to because I don't really know the rest of the material as well as I should. But I thought they put on a good show and I thought that the singer was really, really good. And it was interesting watching Jeff Scott Soto be a backup for this band being playing both the keyboards and backing vocals. I don't see Ingve Malmsteen doing backup for anybody. So it was a real pleasure to watch Soto kind of take a back seat, but still steal the show in his own way. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he was having the time of his life and uh, he, he would come out at the end and he would sing the, him, him and I, I do not remember the the Spectra singer's name, but the both of them did like a duet, uh, doing the the Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. They also played uh, Empire by Queensrÿche about yes. halfway through the set as well. Um, everything else was from their their one their one album Overload. Um, it, this was just kind of fun, kind of like a dance in place, like you said, like have a beer and just enjoy. I, I didn't wasn't super familiar with the songs. I think I had only heard the album once, but. I knew when I listened to that album, I was like, this is going to go over well live because it's just fun, upbeat, enjoyable music. And and it was a really perfect contrast to Wilderun, which while I wouldn't call it like depressing, but I mean, it was kind of like heavy and dark in places. So um, I thought that this was, uh, this was um, a really nice contrast. Also one last thing about Wilderun. I just want to point out the, the drummer was a, was an absolute beast, and I remember you uh, texting you during the set. And this guy, this guy was putting some power metal drummers to shame with his double bass drum action. Like he he had his work cut out for him, and he did a hell of a job. So I just wanted to uh, wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, first two bands, really great stuff. You know, Seven Spires was a late addition to this lineup. They last time they played the festival. They were a late addition to that lineup. Um, and, and I'll say this. I have not seen a band mature, not only in terms of the songwriting and the production on the albums, but their live performance has gotten so much better over the last five years that they went from like a late addition and kind of an afterthought on the roster to a band that can easily, and I mean easily, headline this festival in the next couple of years. Their growth is incredible and i know we've had them on the podcast we discussed uh emerald seas and whatnot but their growth and their rise to prominence is like meteoric and i i cannot stress how good that set was i mean and i'm not even talking about the fact that roy khan came out and sang with them which in and of itself should tell you about their place you know in the pantheon of of, of you know u.s metal but my god what a set and i'm not saying i didn't like their live show three years ago or five years ago. I'm just suggesting they've gotten that much better. And I, I I guarantee you they will headline this festival before it's all said and done. Don't know if it's going to be Friday or Saturday or Thursday. They're going to headline one of these nights. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, uh, can't disagree with anything you just said. Um, just, you know, great song selection. Um, I love that they decided to play Cabaret of Dreams, which was the first Seven Spire song I had ever heard from, uh, the prog power sampler that came out uh, a few years back. Um, and just to think about 
um, where they've come from that. I think that was like the demo version of that song before their Solvay album was even released. Um, and I remember that just taking notice. I was like, this, I, I feel like there, there's something going on here. And uh, just to see them kind of, um, you know, grow through the ranks. And like you said, like th- this is, uh, they're, they're going to be a, a, a big deal. I think um, I think they're going to fill in um, that kind of Camelot esque void that um, I, I wouldn't say void, but just uh, just that that kind of uh, area of fandom people that just enjoy really good symphonic style, um, you know, metal. Um, it, it's just and Adrian's ability to 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 go back and forth between these these like you know, haunting growls and yet like at the same time, this also beautiful, uh, clean voice. Um, she's a star. Um, and the rest of the band is not, um, is not like falling behind. They're not like, she's not outshining everybody. Um, the band is just, um, really come together fantastically. And like you said, um, at the very end, they were they were finishing up the set with uh, "This God Is Dead" and who should come up on stage to quite a uh, rousing ovation, but uh, Mr. Roy Khan, and um, that's going to be the trivia question for me. When was the first time you saw Roy Khan sing? Uh, it was during a Seven Spire set. Um, that was the first time I ever heard <laughs> Roy Khan sing live, and I can put that next to the first time I heard Michael Kisk sing live was with Avantasia, not Halloween. So uh, <laughs> I guess just add that to the list of, of weird firsts for me. I would see him sing again soon after, but um, that was my first. And boy, uh, he did some hell of a duet with uh, Adrian. And, and that wouldn't be the last time those two would be on stage together um, that weekend. But um, boy, that, what a way to cap off just a really, uh, really fantastic set. Yeah, no, no arguments for, for me. Um, and if you needed something different afterwards, you got it. And before I do my whole monologue on Pain of Salvation, I think the biggest compliment that we can give them is the fact that you stayed for every single note of that set. Yeah, other than maybe just running out to get a beer, um, I, I didn't miss any of it. Um, I... Wasn't sure, like I wasn't sure if I was going to have the endurance, honestly, because this is a this is a meaty album. We discussed it at length, um, but it was performed so well. And considering that they didn't even have a bass player, and the fact that they had been on tour for the last several weeks, and I think maybe played one or two songs at most from this album, for them to come out and just knock this whole album out of the park. Gildan Lowe sounded fantastic. Um, Vikram Shankar, who was um, filling in on keys, was like sublime. I mean, and and he was so into what he was doing that I think that that added to the the joy of just watching this performance. Uh, watching my friend Caleb watch like a band that he loved so much and had uh, every time like there was a Pain of Salvation concert, something would get in the way somebody would get sick or whatever and he was lamenting that he just wanted to see pain of salvation once without some sort of dramatic thing happening i think this was his redemption i kept saying you gotta gotta redeem your band and and so i think that's what happened so kind of watching him enjoy it um it was just really cool um 
it was just a really cool experience. And, and yeah, I, I think knowing what was to come to kind of kept me engaged. Cause like, I was just like, you know what, uh, even if it gets a little slow or whatever, Stradivarius is coming on next. So, um, but, but honestly, I was super, super impressed by this. And, and I'm really glad that we took the time to go over this album because I don't know that it would have really done anything for me if I went into it cold. Yeah, I think knowing the album was essential. And I can't imagine anyone enjoying the set without knowing the album. But if you knew the album, it was almost like cathartic in a way. I lost my mind during this set. And I had strong reservations about it. Um, And this is no disrespect to Vikram. I don't even remember him being in the band. Is this like a new thing? Or was he just doing the tour? I'm not... I still don't know the answer to that. I think he was filling in. I'm pretty sure. There you go. He's filling in. They don't have a bass player on stage. And somehow they created a sound which was absolutely perfect. And I'll go to my grave saying that Remedy Lane is a better album. But I thought that this performance of The Perfect Element was better than their performance of Remedy Lane eight years ago. And I thought that was a great performance. But this performance was like the best I've ever seen them. And there were certain songs where I literally just like lost, I lost it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I got so into it. And it was like that perfect blend of the, the, the sound that I wanted, the, the performance that I wanted, the songs that I wanted in that moment. And to your point, I also knew Stradivarius was coming, which was a complete antithesis of, of this type of show. This hit the spot for me. It was my favorite set of the weekend. It was close. There's two or three others I'll discuss that were right up there with it. Um, but I loved this set. And the and, and thankfully, they had Stradivarius to come on next because if there was anything that could give it a run for its money, it was that Stradivarius set. They decided to come out, and, and they've, they haven't been here in a while, and they basically just did a greatest hit set for an hour and a half. And I have to be honest with you, they haven't missed a beat in years. I think we saw them, what, 15, maybe 20 years ago in the States for the first time. It was a young Colt Pelto. He sounds just as good. And I know that there's certain tricks that go on with through the PA system. I'm not oblivious. Uh, we'll get there with another band leader that I thought it was very obvious. Uh, but I thought Stradivarius was so, so good. And I just love the set. And my single, like, I don't want to say moment of the weekend, uh, but there was a song that they played at the end of their set, as they most often do, Hunting High and Low. I'm not even a huge fan of that song in the pantheon of Stradivarius. I don't know that it would make my top 10, but that performance of that song was so much fun, and I thought it was just the perfect end to what I thought was a perfect night. Yeah, um, I thought, and this is a shout-out to promoter uh, Milton Mendonca, like he picked the perfect band for the Prague fans and then followed it up with the perfect band for the power fans. I mean, and not, and that's needless to say the first three bands were, were all fantastic, but this was really an unbelievable way. And if you're like me and you who enjoy both, you get like a double treat. Um, I feel like either band could have really headlined here. Um, I think, at least for me, I'm kind of happy it was Stradivarius, but I don't think, I don't think anybody would really question too much if they flip flopped. Um, 
But uh, this wasn't just the greatest hits. This was a Timo Tolki's greatest hits. They played two songs from the post the post Tolki era. Era. Wow, that was like Freudian slip. Uh, era. <laughs> Sh- uh, Shine in the dark and Unbreakable. Everything else was from uh, Elements Part One and prior. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they quite a bit from uh, Visions and Destiny. They played. Um, 4,000 Rainy Nights, SOS, and Destiny all in one blast. So it was kind of like a little Destiny block there. Um, I would have been happy with just hearing Destiny and 14 other random Stradivarius songs. But I mean, it was just, and Rhapsody would do the same. It it was just like, you know, hit after hit after hit. Um, You know, Against the Wind, Kiss of Judas, Paradise, Black Diamond, Forever, Speed of Light, Hunting High and Low. And like you said, that last song of just every, I mean, everybody who I was with just arm in arm singing along together. There's a video of us on, on uh, Facebook that a friend of mine posted and you could just see the joy in everybody's face. Um, and uh, I wanted to shout out to my friend, uh, Patrick Nichol, who's the drummer for the band noise cult. He wasn't even going to go because he thought Stradivarius was just going to play all like their new stuff. And I go, trust me, you're going to want to see this. And and he spent the rest of the night after the set, thanking me profusely because he ended up having such a good time. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, he kept telling me that he owed me, but um, buddy, it's on the house. I just like looking at set lists and, and this was uh, really just a treat. Um, if you were like an old school fan of this band, I mean, they, they just delivered what, you know, uh, it, the last time I saw them play, they played all of visions. And as much as I enjoyed that, I was like, there's so many other songs that they have from all these other albums. So this is kind of like the, uh, you know, what the other side of the coin, instead of hearing one full great album, um, here's just some of the best songs that the band's ever done. And to, to think of all, how many great songs the band has done since Timo Tolki has left the band and they've, <laughs> they played two of them, not to mention that they had a brand new single drop that day that they could have, uh, they could have just de- did a live debut of right then and there. But, um, they kind of just stuck to the, to the classic, uh, the classic set list and, and it worked that everybody in that crowd just seemed like they were having such a great time. And, and, uh, and, and I was one of them and so were you. Yeah, it was it was um, it was a special special set. I don't know that we're ever going to see a Stradivarius set like that again, let alone the band. I mean, you, you have to wonder if they're going to be back at at some point. Um, but I enjoyed the hell out of it, and then I passed out, and my roommate was looking for a key to my room, and it became a complete mess after that. But I had a really really good time. Um, sorry, Pat, I, I I know you're probably still looking to get into the room. I, I was I was sleeping. Um, but he, here we are. It, it brings us to Friday. And, it, you know, it's funny, because at this point, it's two days of music. I really only caught one band on Wednesday. You know, I, I catch all of Thursday, but like the festival hasn't even really started for all intents and purposes yet. And I'm thinking to myself, how can it get better? Um, it, it, it gets very good. Uh, the the start of of Friday was was interesting. The the band that opens up is a band called the Siberium. They are a progressive rock band, and I had no expectations for this set. And I'll be honest, I didn't catch all of it. I caught about half of it. It was remarkable. Their stage setup was incredible. They had huge TV monitors and like video that was synced to the live performance which was fantastic. And 
if nothing else, I can't really comment on anything other than saying I have to go back and revisit the album because the live show was so good. Um, they were really tight, really quirky, uh, but there was something about it that was like really charming. And like it makes me wonder why nobody has ever listened to these guys, myself included, because um, they really take their show seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously, if that makes sense. And I think that that's what made for a really enjoyable show. Top-notch production, but you know, not not pretentious. Yeah, um, I I did not call it as early of a night on <laughs> Thursday <laughs> as you did. So I spent quite a bit of Friday uh, resting and recovering. So I wouldn't make it back into the venue until um, Jeff Scott Soto was ready to play. So I missed um, the first four bands. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping that you will help fill in some of the blanks. All I can really say is what I heard and everything you said about Siberium, uh, same as what I heard. I just heard that it was uh, quite quite the production, especially for um, a band that's opening the, the evening. So um, I, I thought that was interesting, and uh, I definitely would like to um, go back and, and give them more of a listen. Um, you know, they uh, they were followed up by Aether Realm, who I saw in uh, here in Rochester um, play in between Seven Kingdoms and Unleash the Archers. So um, I didn't feel like I was... Uh, like I, I had to, had to, had to see them. Um, drinking Gatorade and, and laying down was a little bit more important at that point in time. Um, <laughs> but um, from what I heard, uh, again, like just they put on just a hell of a fun show, which is exactly what I would have expected from a band like them. Were you able to catch any of their set? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through the rest of it. I, I Or at least kind of get us up to Soto. I caught probably about three quarters of ether realm i've seen them live a bunch um they're some of the nicest guys that you will ever meet i felt uh bad for their guitarist donnie not not bad but he was not at their show he was on tour with cradle of filth so they weren't they were missing their lead guitarist um but at the same time they put on a really good performance i thought the mix was a little muddy if you will and and that was a little disappointing because i know what they're capable of and i've seen them put on better sounding shows, but the energy was there from the start. They seem to have quite a bit of a cult following in many ways underground. And, and I think that because of that, um, it really kind of got the rest of the crowd into the set. Their last album, Redneck Vikings from Hell, was one of my favorite albums of 2020. We talked about that uh, you know, in the archives when we went over our best of 2020 episodes. Um, but I, I think this is another band where the future is quite bright. I, I think that it's time for them to get back in the studio, record, and I, I hope that they can kind of piggyback off the success of their touring in the last album. And if they can come out with like a real banger for another, for another album, um, the sky's the limit. And what's interesting about them is they can tour with Wilderun and a prog band. They could tour with a melodic death metal band. They could tour with a thrash band. They kind of, it's hard to define their genre. They just have a sound kind of unto themselves or they, they borrow from so many different genres that they can get on any tour they want and it won't be out of place. For example, I did see them with Unleash the Archers. Um, and even though they have a very clean power metal sound, fantastic you know it was it, 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 it was seamless but i could see them go out with omnium gatherum or i could see them go out with insomnium and and, and it would they wouldn't miss a beat so um i think the best is, is yet to come for them uh the next band that would play was witherfall and that's where i did something that i have never done in my life and i'm willing to bet that 
hasn't been done in the history of center stage. And I'm not even sure if I told you this story, but it was time for me to go get some food. It was dinner time. I was hungry. Um, and, uh, I took a walk to whole foods, right? And, uh, I had asked my buddy that I was with, I said, do you want me to pick you up something? And he's like, well, wh what are you going to get? And I said, you know, they have a bunch of prepared foods and obviously we have the microwave in our hotel room. So I kind of read off a menu of stuff. He says, go pick me up some eggplant. I get him some eggplant with some tomato sauce on top, some string beans, some corn, a nice hot meal. I go up to the prepared foods counter. I get a piece of salmon, some asparagus, right? And, and again, and mind you, this entire time I've been eating burgers and, and food that has not been so healthy. I get the salmon. I get the I get the I get the uh, the eggplant, and it's in those to go dishes. You know those plastic dishes where you have the cover on top. Sure. I made a point of looking at the bottom to see if it was microwavable, and it was. I said, "Oh, I know what we're doing now." I take a walk from Whole Foods. I walk up to the Artmore Hotel. I got issues with the Artmore Hotel. I don't know that I ever want to stay there again. That place has declined like crazy. But I did have a microwave in my room and it was clean. I heat up the food. Even though it was already hot, I wanted it piping hot. I get some napkins. I get some silverware. I proceed to walk back into center stage with a Whole Foods bag, piping hot. And I proceed to eat salmon and asparagus during the like last third of Witherfall's set. <laughs> I guarantee you this has never been done before. I guarantee you it will never be done again. But I, I was I was I was hungry. The food hit the spot. It was very, very good. I don't really have much to say about Witherfall other than it served my appetite for, for dinner and then I would be ready for Jason Beeler a short time later. Um thoughts? Uh, so you're that guy who reheats fish at the office and never nobody likes. That's right, but it was in my room where nobody where nobody experienced it other than myself, and f fortunately the smell was gone by the time um, by the time I got back to the room yeah. later. I just um, I just saw that um, I just saw that I guess because of the length of the songs they only played six songs, um, and the last song being like an eleven minute song vintage. So um, I yeah I I just didn't. You know, I know our, our friend Matt Craig, um, he's a big fan of Witherfall. Um, I just never, this was just not the year for prep for me. Um, I kind of, I usually would give every band a, a good listen. And just with all of the changes and, and the, the, just the, um, the unknown of when the festival is going to be, if the festival is going to be, um, I had no idea how long any band was going to stay on the lineup. Ask the beast in black slot, um, which was replaced three times, which I think is a record. Um, so I just, I think at a certain point I was just like, I'm just going to go and what I know I'll enjoy. And what I don't know, maybe I'll hear and enjoy, or maybe I'll just, re you know, rest. Um, and that's kind of what happened here. But uh, where there falls a band, I'd like to try to get, uh, more into in the future I, it sounded like everybody that was a fan enjoyed them quite a bit um and then uh and then justin bieber came on yeah i um i was so curious about this set and and i am not a i i won't proclaim to be the world's biggest saigon kick fan i wasn't familiar with jason bieler's prior work but he comes out and he comes out with this album i'd listened to it a couple of times i i can't say that i ever gravitated towards it. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. I just, I don't know. It didn't, I don't know what, I couldn't make heads or tails of this thing, but I was so curious about the performance aspect that I went to go see the show. And apparently I didn't stay long enough. I stayed for about four songs. I did not hear anything that was extraordinary and I left. And apparently 
what I was expecting in terms of a performance got much better towards the second half of his set. And I got a lot of positive things to say about him coming up. But this particular set, I just, it didn't grab me. I was tired and I left. And I also knew that I would be there for obviously um, the last two sets of the night, Jeff Scott Soto with a with a queen tribute set and conception. So I, I didn't catch much of this. I took the chance to just rest and I wanted to recharge before, uh, before Soto took the stage. Yeah, um, I... I'll be honest, um, leading up to the, the festival, I was just kind of shuffling all my songs from the bands in the car and whatnot. And, and a couple of songs from, from this, the, the songs for the apocalypse album popped on. And I was like, you know, this might actually be pretty cool. Um, so I kind of left it up to the, the party gods as to whether I would be in any condition to, to check out this set. And, and I think I just needed a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more rest time before it was time to see um, Jeff Scott Soto for his second appearance of the weekend. But um, again, uh, it sounded like people enjoyed it. He finished the set off with um, three Saigon kick songs from the lizard album. And uh, yeah, it sounds like it was an enjoyable kind of quirky thing. Um, You know, a lot of these bands were kind of called upon to fill it, fill out, uh, you know, the original spots, um, that correct me if I'm wrong. I think this might've been the night flight orchestra slot. Um, yeah, which I know. I believe so. Yeah. I know both of us were really, uh, excited about, but, um, yeah, it, it sounds like, and I'll repeat this towards the end, but, um, all things considered, like all the bands that ended up being, um, replacements really delivered. And, um, I think every, I think almost every band, pretty much every band, at least every band I saw put on a really memorable performance. And um, Jeff Scott Soto was uh, no, uh, uh, no, uh, wow, words escaping me. I did lose, yeah, no, no exception. I did lose some brain cells um, during this festival. I'm not going to lie. That was, there was a lot of yingling uh, uh, (laughs) happened, but um, I loved how this set started with the, 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 the curtain opens and the stage stays completely dark. And all of a sudden, the spotlight hits the back of the venue, and there is Jeff Scott Soto at the top of the the stands singing We Will Rock You as he comes down the stairs. It was like a a John Moxley entrance. And he just comes down the stairs. He's on the floor with everybody standing singing. He gets on the stage. Um, It was a really cool, like, fast version of We Will Rock You, unlike the queen version. Uh, most of the songs, the rest of the way really stayed true to the originals, but this was kind of a fun, like, um, like almost like a power metal (laughs) version of we will rock you. And it was a really great way to just get everybody amped up for this really fun, uh, set. And and I I was nervous because I, people were saying like, Oh, it's going to be like a lot of deep cuts. And, um, you know, I know, a lot of queen songs but i definitely don't know deep cuts and turns out i mean there was probably like three or four songs i wasn't familiar with and i pretty much knew the rest um and it was i mean other than like other than like uh we are the champions and um maybe killer queen i can't think of too many of the of the queen hits that were skipped over i mean it the it, it was uh we will rock you into another one bites the dust. I want to break free crazy little thing called love fat bottom girls. I want it all stone cold crazy. I mean, that first seven songs 
was just like I was just hooked right in. I was like, what seven great songs? Stone Cold Crazy. Um, God, I, I know that song more by Metallica than I do by uh, uh, by Queen, but um, just a great way to just kick things off. And then they kind of went into a little bit more of the obscure stuff, and then they kind of finished. They finished off with um, a medley, um, and then like knocked it off with Under Pressure, Radio Gaga, Bohemian Rhapsody, which, as I expected, the entire crowd sang along to. The show must go on, which is arguably, you know, my favorite Queen song. And then just made my night complete by just busting out I'll Be Waiting by Talisman, which is our, it's probably my favorite song that Jeff Scott Soto's ever sung. And just for him to finish it off with that one song, it was great. He just was like, he was like so, so endearing by just saying like, is it okay if I could, if I play one of my songs? And I was like, no, and then he started leading the crowd into the o o o part, and I'm like, oh god, he's gonna do it. And then I marked <laughs> out in my chair, and I was like, wow, that was really a perfect way to end a really, really fun, really fun set. And it and it's not easy to come out and cover one band when, especially when you're as po- as popular as Jeff Scott Soto is, and and I'm sure people wanted to hear his you know decades of material, which is similar to what he did the last time he played at Prague power. But for what this was, this was absolutely perfect. Spectra uh, was the um, supporting band for, for Jeff. He sounded fantastic. Um, just, just a blast. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this. You know, it's funny when he usually does this set, or at least when I've known him to do this set in the past, he's done it at like queen fan club conventions and stuff like that and those are the shows where he really goes into those deeper cuts here being that it's a you know a prog power festival it's not a queen festival by any means he picked the right set list and he did it the right way he started off with seven hits in a row he ended with four of their biggest songs and towards the middle he kind of threw in that medley and some of the more obscure tracks that a lot of Queen fans would know, maybe some more casual fans may not be familiar with all of them, but he did a great job. It was such a great set. And and I thought the Talisman cover at the end was just such a cherry on top that I was not expecting. Um, it was just a fun, fun set. I'm so happy I saw it. And and I had reservations going in, although I, you know, I'm a casual Queen fan, but he knocked it out of the park. He 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 was it was he was the consummate professional. It was a great set. And then the place gets packed. They announce next year's lineup. I'm sure we'll touch about touch upon that at the end. And then we get to Conception, a band that I have not seen live since 2005, a band that we've obviously discussed their entire discography, and, and they kind of do the exact opposite of what Stradivarius and Rhapsody do. They don't really go into the archives too much. In fact, the vast majority of their set was from their newer material that kind of came out after uh the the reunion you know three or four years ago so why the biggest compliment i can give is this they played 15 songs they played i don't know two from flow two from parallel minds one from in your multitude but you know two-thirds of the set was 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 newer material it was a phenomenal set and in terms of sound they sounded better than any show I've heard them play online back in 2005, it was simply 
magnificent how good they sounded. Now, I'll admit, I was up front for most of that set, but it sounded great up there. I did a lap at one point, and even when you were in the back of the crowd, sonically, it was just so good and such a performance. They went over so, so well. I need to see this band again. I have a feeling it's not the last time. Um, but what really resonated the most was the band seemed so happy to be there. The joy on Roy's face and the joy on Torosby's face was um, was unlike anything I've ever really experienced because it was it, it was natural. It was um, it, it, it was it was it was emotional for them, but in the best way possible. And this was easily one of my favorite sets of the weekend, and, and by a pretty wide margin. Every single photo I saw of Roy Khan, he had a shit eating grin on his face. He looked so happy to be there. Um, and so many people got to take photos with him because he would show up in the courtyard later that night. And I, I had to call it a, an early night and by early, I mean like one thirty. Um, <laughs> but so I missed the, the, I think almost the entire band, if not all the, the members came out, uh, for the after party. Um, but boy, he looked like he was having a blast, but, uh, Serves me right. I I I spend all this time listening to the entire Conception discography and the latest Rhapsody album, and uh, they don't play <laughs> one right. song from the Rhapsody album. They play like five songs from the back catalog for Conception. But that being said, I enjoyed this so much more than I thought I was going to, based on the knowing that they were going to play mostly new set new stuff, only because of like what you said. They sounded so good. Um, I was standing right on the floor um, for almost all of it. I had eventually my feet hurt so badly. I just had to sit down, but I stayed for the whole thing and they were phenomenal. Every song um, I, I, I feel waywardly broken just kind of sticks out of my head as just being one of the highlights of just this highlight filled um, set. Uh, Adrian, from Seven Spires would come out and do a duet or she did some backing vocals on Silent Crying, which they did this short little acoustic portion. Um, This was just phenomenal. Like I, I I just, uh, I was floored. Um, Just a a really fantastic set. Um, They were, they completely were worthy of that headline slot. The crowd ate it up. Um, and the band, like you said, really seemed really grateful to be there. And that, I think, was an infectious feeling for everybody there. Um, really, really, really wonderful way to finish uh, day three. Yeah, it was it, it was perfect. Um, you know, it, it's funny. They're one of those bands where they could have probably played 30 songs and there would have been stuff that I really wanted to hear. But A Million Gods, Gethsemane, uh, and, and that silent crying rendition were just three um three of my favorite songs the whole weekend and obviously like i said this was one of my favorite sets it was it was really really well done they deserve the spot i hope they come back in some way shape or form uh if not may have to travel because this this will not be the last time i see them as long as they keep going i promise i'll see them again at some point um and and that kind of puts a bow on on set on on friday Saturday afternoon, Jason Beeler and Jeff Scott Soto did a um, a solo show, an acoustic show, for you know some of the more some of the sponsors and some of the gold badge holders. And I wasn't sure how this was going to be attended. This was the set that I was kind of hoping for Jason Beeler doing the night before. 
laid back, loose, hysterically funny. Uh, it, it was just such a fun, fun um, way to, to see these two guys kind of, you know, in their element on stage. Um, it was half concert, half comedy show, and 100% fun. And, and it's funny because the entire, at one point, and this was a real highlight, the band starts playing like I am a Viking. And so the look on Soto's face was like <laughs> crazy. And then they start going into, um, I think it was more than words by extreme. And they start calling it the, I am more, I am, I am a Viking, but more than words or something like that. It, it was like a medley of those two songs. It was hysterical. And needless to say, there were a lot of Ingve jokes. If he hears this, I'm sure our podcast will be taken down. But he was, he was, he, he gives the whole story about how he goes into the show. He's got the bracelet. He gets kicked out. I mean, he go. He goes. He basically said that if any, he did not to post videos of it because the entire thing will come down. I mean, it was one thing after another. But they were really just. Uh, if you missed it, I won't. It won't do justice me describing it. But they went on. They wound up playing for an hour and twenty five minutes, which was incredible because Ariane was going on at about a half an hour after that. Um, but it was just a fun, fun performance. They played their own material. They played cover material. I mean, they even went and played a Foo Fighters song, which was awesome. Uh, really, really fun set. Uh, I, for those that missed it, you missed out. Uh, I, I know these two tour together on a regular basis. I don't know if they'll be what that's like. But if, if it was anything like this set, it's something that I would go check out uh, in the future for sure. Yeah, I um, unfortunately didn't get a chance to um, to check this out. My friends took me out to lunch. It was my 40th birthday that Saturday. And uh, um, yeah, I had a, a, a nine inch hot dog with um, chili and cheese on it. So I have no regrets, um, but I, I'm glad well, it's a very, I, it's, if you, if you got to do something, that's, that's, that's a close yeah, second, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. It sounded like everybody else did as well. And uh, you know, I, I had made a comment on my Facebook um, during uh spectra set that um I think it was like, you know, who you'd never see uh, playing keyboards and backing vocals for another band, Ingve F and Malmsteen. That's who. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so just coming off of that Soto Ingve dust up that we talked about, um, I think it's pretty clear as to uh, who was in the right. <laughs> um, but uh, no arguments for me. Um, yeah. I'm so happy that I, I, I made it back to the venue uh, downstairs in time and I, and I caught Ari on set. This was a real, um, I don't want to say surprise. I knew what the band was. I was, I've been listening to them for years. I, I even told them how, like, I remember hearing last of us as a single back in 2014 or so and thinking like this band has real potential and their sound has kind of changed over the last couple of albums and, 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 and whatnot. This was the surprise performance of the weekend for me. Their live set was phenomenal. And like, I wouldn't have expected out of an opening band on Saturday, but they were really, really good. And quite frankly, for my money, I would argue that they were probably one of the top two bands. And I caught most of these sets on Saturday, but one of the top two bands on, on Saturday night. This was one that I had uh, earmarked that I definitely wanted to see. Um, I can't say I knew the material super well, but I knew the, what I had heard I really liked and boy, did they bring it? I mean, the live keyboard player, the, the vocalist was just 
fantastic. All the everybody on stage just really, really sounded so solid. Um, and they just ripped through. What did they play? Like, like almost fifteen songs in an hour. I mean, it was it was just a really just like upbeat. They had a couple of good like um, power ballads. I think at least two, but everything else was just like jump up and down, have a good time. Um, and they they made a really strong impression uh, per- personality wise outside of the venue, but also musically inside the venue on a lot of people. I, a lot of people were talking about this set and, and this band. I got to chat with um, the singer uh, later that night and couldn't have been nicer. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this was a really, really, really pleasant surprise. Um, just a really great set. And this was just one of those weird bands for me that like just I was waiting for them to fall off the lineup and they just stayed yeah. on the lineup for three years and got, I'm glad that they did. Cause they really kicked ass. I, I, uh, I agree with everything you said. This was a, a really wonderful opening band for, for Saturday. I was in the, of the same mindset and I was never really excited or, or invested too much time into really learning the deep cuts from their catalog because I just assumed their visa was not coming through. They made it. They were fantastic, and my eye will continue to be on them going forward. Um, I believe that uh, there may be a new album soon, and I believe that uh, they'll piggyback off from there. But I think the, the future is definitely bright for them. Uh, and what a contrast to the next band, because maybe the quirkiest band on the entire lineup would come on next, and that's Thank You, Scientist. One of the quirkiest believe- bands I've ever seen at Prog Power. It reminded me of... Um, the Diablo Swing Orchestra set from like 15 years ago or whatever it was. The, I, 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 I'm shocked that this didn't sound like a complete wall of mud. I don't have much to say. I caught about half the set. Really, really interesting stuff. Um, trumpets, uh, saxophones. I mean, it's all over the place, but somehow they make it work. With a singer who just is like a dead ringer for the guy from the from Coheed and Cambria. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I really need to spend some time with them. I don't know their material well at all. Um, I could not tell you one song from the next, but I kind of like the live show. I thought this was like <laughs> this was this was the biggest surprise to me because I I wasn't even gonna go, but I had a couple of friends who were with me who who wanted to see them. So I'm like, ah, oh, what the hell, I'll check them out. I stayed for the whole thing. This was wow. Just a treat. Um just like this it was like you just couldn't turn away. They had there was like eight guys I think, eight or nine guys on stage. There was like you said a there was a um a, a trumpet player, there was a saxophonist, there was a uh, electric violinist. Um the the singer it looks like he's like this music teacher and these are all of his students. And then he just comes out and he comes out with this voice that you'd never expect to come out of his mouth. Um, it was so fun and it was so quirky and it was so unlike anything I'd ever seen before that I just kind of stood there and just, and just took it all in and I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Um, that was a, a really nice surprise. I, I, I thought that was a lot of fun and boy, I, you, you put the, you hit the nail on the head by saying like, what a contrast from from the band prior and the band after, for that matter. Um, yeah, 
it's amazing just the the diversity of stuff you can hear at this this kind of festival um you know we were talking about it on on thursday and and uh this Saturday lineup is is no exception to that rule either, because th- this then we would go on to to riot. <laughs> Got to be honest, I am familiar with some of their albums. I obviously know some of the classic songs, but it was meal time for me again. This was kind of where I took my break. From what I understand, I missed a hell of a show, but I checked out a new place that I had never been. It was called the Highland Tap. Um, it was like east of the venue. I've never been there before. Kind of in a residential area. I guess they consider it like northeast Atlanta. I proceeded to have a tomahawk ribeye steak, a filet mignon. We cut it up three different ways. Some appetizers. A incredible chocolate peanut butter pie thing for dessert. I had a fantastic meal. My belly was happy afterwards. And then I obviously got back in time for Ray Alder, one of my favorite singers. Um... But I have to say, that set of all the sets might have been the most disappointing of the weekend. Ray Alder sounded great. The song selection was quite good. He played two engine songs. He played a Cure cover, Fascination Street, at the end of the show. Nick Van Dyke from Redemption played guitars, and they wound up playing Walls from Redemption, which is a fantastic song. And I liked the solo album, but for some reason, I just thought the performance was a little flat to me and maybe it was a function of me getting ready for isan and luca Torilli and fabio coming on later not my favorite set of the weekend not bad just didn't grab me the way i was hoping it would considering how much i love realder's vocals yeah um i had all intentions of of seeing this set and after reading that he wasn't going to do any fate's warning songs it kind of took the wind out of my sails a little bit as much as I enjoyed his solo album and I uh, would have loved to have heard Walls live again, um, I just decided that I kind of wanted to just rest until Rhapsody, who I was sponsoring. And, and you know, being that it was my birthday, it was kind of like kind of like a, a big deal for me to see that set. Um, so I, I decided to take a rest after Thank You, Scientist. Um, I, I heard from the people who were, uh, you know, Riot fans that, the set was was a blast. Um, Jeff Scott Soto came out, uh, did a song. Sarah from Mind Maze came out and did a song, which I would have really liked to have seen. Um, but I, again, like this is just one of those bands that was a uh, was a victim of me just not taking the time to listen to them ahead of time, and so I might have been able to get into them the way that I got into Pretty Maids and Saxon and Armored Saint in prior years, but I just didn't have the time to do it and and i missed ray alder to be honest i don't know the engine stuff um i don't even know if i know the cure song that he covered so um yeah i mean i would have liked to have seen him but um you know there's always just uh casualties of war as i as i put it and uh isan was another one for me I, I don't know that there was ever really a strong chance that i was going to catch this set it's just never really been my thing and again I would have taken time to listen to it in the past, but this just wasn't one of those times. But uh, I- I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, your thoughts were. I um, I love Isan's solo material. It's extremely diverse. I enjoy Emperor as far as black metal goes. I think that they put on a ridiculous live show. Um, this was not my favorite Isan set. I actually enjoyed his sets on 70,000 tons and the last time that he was at Prague Power better. 
I think it was partially a function of the um, set list that he chose by his own admission. And he kind of said this on stage. He went for like some of the quirkier, proggier material because it's prog power. Whereas I would have liked to have heard his normal set. He played Frozen Lakes on Mars, which is one of my favorite songs. That was awesome. There were some sound issues towards the middle of the set. Um, it was enjoyable. It was just not my favorite set by him. He wound up doing a Lenny Kravitz cover, Rock and Roll is Dead. He did an Iron Maiden cover of Wrathchild. Um, it was cool. Not not my favorite set, but it was a good balance to, to, to what would come afterwards, which was Rhapsody, who obviously we've discussed. They played – it was a greatest hit set, and I never expected it. And I remember sitting with you for, for that whole week listening to the new album – and then they don't really touch it. It was it was remarkable how they selected their set list. But I felt like we were like 17 years old again in your basement listening to, to all this old Rhapsody material. It was incredible. Um, I have one gripe, and it was not the birthday shout-out. I thought that was awesome. My one class, gripe was that – Just pure, pure class. Yes, it was, it was incredible. I, I could not believe it. My one gripe was that – there were points where the uh, it was clear that Fabio's vocals were being assisted by something over that PA system, and it took me out of the moment a little bit. But I was having so much fun listening to that old material that it almost didn't matter. And obviously, Fabio's a great vocalist. I don't even know that he needs the the sweetening in the back, but that kind of taught through me for a loop a little bit, and and I never really recovered once I heard that. But you're talking about songs like Wisdom of the Kings, Emerald Sword, uh, Night Rider of Doom, Holy Thunder Force, I, The Wizard's Last Rhymes. I mean, Land of Immortals. Are you are you kidding me? It was it was incredible, and this had to be like a life changing experience for you up front and, and getting the shout out. I've I've had it happen to me, and it was not in front of nearly as many people as as you did. But it was it's it's got to be like um, you know a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't expect to celebrate another birthday at Prague Power, never mind my 40th. So, yeah, it was uh, a very special, I mean, even without the birthday shout-out, seeing this fa- this band that I've been a, such a big fan of since the, the day I heard that first album. Um, and, and, like, I- I'll be honest, like, I would have been cool with hearing a few songs from the newest album. I really enjoyed it as we both you know, did. We both did. you heard when we reviewed the album, but I, I'm sure as hell I'm not going to complain about this. They played like half of the symphony of enchanted lands album. I mean, they played Emerald sword, wisdom of the Kings, eternal glory, wings of destiny, symphony of enchanted lands, riding the wings of eternity. That's probably more than half of that second album. Um, not to mention everything else. Um, dawn of victory and 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 then uh for for uh carl frederick uh shout out to carl just nagging fabio um for like three straight songs to acknowledge that it was my birthday which i was like i was uh humored by and also slightly embarrassed by at the same time but i appreciated it all the same um and then right before for him to do it right before land of immortals which is like arguably my favorite one of my favorite rhapsody songs ever i mean it was the perfect end to a perfect set list on a perfect day of a perfect week um i could not have asked for a better experience um just an unbelievable uh and and as much as i wanted to be with 
like the in the crowd and with my friends and stuff I, I realized like a couple of songs in like i really need to be in the pit for this i mean i sponsored the band I'm, you know because i i started out like i stayed for the first two songs i went back to the crowd and and then i was like no i need to like i need to be up front for this and i'm glad because i got to enjoy the set with with carl and asher and um and lane and pat um and Nathan, um, and, and that whole crew, and um, and just like being that up close with this band, and uh, just hearing every, I, I be honest, I didn't notice that um, audio sweetening at all, and maybe that was a function of being that close to the stage. Um, I thought it was weird. It didn't really dawn on me until like halfway that this was a band that was like the 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 main half of it was a keyboard player and they didn't even have a, a keyboard yes. player on stage um i'm not sure it mattered in this case i think that like the musicianship like th- these guys are such great musicians that it didn't really matter i think it would have probably put it over the top if if alex starpoli was actually there playing keyboards but um i mean i'm nitpicking at this point i mean that between this and Stradivarius and Conception, um, just three nights in a row of just balls out, fantastic headline sets, and and they were along with uh, Arion and Seven Spires. Those were my big real highlights of this uh, musically of this festival, and uh, really just phenomenal stuff. Um, finished off with Unholy War Cry. Not sure if we mentioned that, but. Uh, Really great, and, and I know my power metal fan friends were just um, ecstatic about both this set and the Stradivarius set, um, just being kind of a, a real throwback, greatest hits kind of deal, and, and um, everybody was just so happy, and, and it was really a perfect way to, to end things. Yeah, uh, n- n- you, uh, nothing to add. I think that's well said. It was all in all a really, really good festival. Um, I guess I'll just ask this question as we kind of take it out and we'll we'll transition to next year briefly. And I'm sure we'll do a much deeper dive into next year at some point, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, Do you have like three favorite sets from the weekend? If you had to kind of go one, two, and three, what would you choose? I think, honestly, I think it would just be those three headliners. I think it would be, I think I would go Rhapsody 1, Stradivarius 1B, and <laughs> Conception 3. I mean, it, just those three, I thought, were um, they were worthy of their slots. And usually for me, like, I find, like, something underneath that really excites me. And there's always, we always call it the uh, the Ed Guy Band ever since Prog Power 3. And Sabaton filled that uh, role one year. And uh, Mirath, who we'll speak of shortly, um, bands like that. But this, I think, for me, this was the, the headliners were the stars here. So uh, how about you? Who, what were your favorite three? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm going to have, I, I'm going to say pain of salvation. I'm going to say Stradivarius and I'm going to say conception. Uh, also again, three of the high, high, uh, high level bands. I didn't think there was anything that was like terrible. I thought that there were obviously some sets that were greater than others, but what was interesting to me is in a year where like they kind of had to throw stuff together, stuff had to come together at the 11th hour uh, and some of the stuff was just flat out quirky. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a very good lineup. I'm not going to say that it was the best year ever, but it was so much fun to just be there with everybody, 
got to meet make a ton of new friends and get to meet people that were listeners of this show that we had never met before and have some fantastic conversations. It was a real uh, treat to, to, to be down there and I just had the time of my life. And then of course I look ahead to next year and I say to myself, if this lineup in fact shows up in Atlanta, I'm going to lose my mind and I'm not sure I'm going to have time for a lot of dinner because <laughs> with the exception of one of your favorite bands, I happen to be a big fan of almost everybody else on this lineup. Yeah, this lineup is, I mean, for me, I, I was familiar with all 12 bands, obviously some much more than others, but there were no, like, um, I think there was a, a band, the previous video announcement, eternal tears of sorrow. I believe they were called that. Like that's right. Legitimately. I'd never heard of up until that moment. Um, there, there were no bands on this lineup. Um, I, I, I just want to say that, like, as far as this year's lineup goes, with everything that happened, this lineup had every right to be underwhelming, and it wasn't. And I think that that really speaks volumes for the choices that were made as far as replacements go and the quality of all the band's uh, performances. Um, it didn't feel like a dud year and if there was any year where it would have been okay if it were it was this and i remember talking to you about it you know two years ago saying like are we gonna see a an all u.s lineup and would you still go and the both of us were like hell yeah like we'd still go we might not enjoy the music part of it as much as we usually do but this didn't feel like an outlier prog power to me. Honestly, it felt like, I mean, I didn't attend a lot of it. And I will say that that's not usual for me. But the things that I enjoyed and were looking forward to um, are completely on par with anything I've enjoyed and look forward to in the past. So um, I just wanted to say that before we talk about um, next year's lineup, which um, I'm already like trying to figure out when the hell I'm supposed to eat. Um, <laughs> because if, if I end up getting into the handful of bands that I don't know as well as the rest of this lineup, I may not be leaving the venue on Friday and Saturday. And we don't even know what Nathan and Milton have planned for us on days one and two. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you want to just quickly, uh, run down this list and, uh, and, uh, we'll, we'll just talk about uh, who's playing next year briefly yeah well we'll kind of just go through it quickly uh you got cryptex opening the show from germany the best way to describe it is kai hansen singing for sabotage i, I don't know <laughs> how else to describe it uh Wind i've already gotten messages from two friends that are like psyched about this band that just started really? listening to them in the last two days um which i think is a very, very good sign so uh yeah that's a that's a really cool uh choice to open up friday then you have Windrose from Italy, which is probably of the 12, the one that I like the least. I will give it a fair shot. I have no doubt you're going to make me listen to them at some point between now and next September. Oh, you'll be, on the, you'll be on the floor singing Diggy Diggy Hole with the rest of us. Don't worry. I find that exceptionally hard to believe, but they, they come on second. Uh, Ad Infinitum, who we've talked about countless times on this podcast, could not be any more excited to see them. Uh, a make good with Green Carnation for me. They played the festival back in 2016, one of the years that I had to miss, um, which I am so happy they're going to come back. I look forward to seeing them in, in, in all their glory. 
Uh, Caligula's horse, who I believe was a three slot last time, is now kind of direct support to Camelot, uh, who, who rounds out day three. That is oh, a hell of a I have, uh, I've been told that I need to rectify my uh, non-appearance at the last Caligula's horse set. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I will be ready for this one because uh, I got a lot of guff for <laughs> skipping that, that one. And everyone That's... told me that they blew the roof off the place. So, um, and, it's ni- and it's nice to see uh, Camelot back. I, 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 think that the, um, I think that now that they're kind of, uh, you know, unleashed from their previous tour manager, kind of put them back on, on the Prague Power radar again. And, and this will be their, I believe, fourth performance at the festival and um it's kind of in that uh i call it the 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 roy khan slash tommy karavik slot that um (laughs) that was held by uh held by um conception this year and seventh wonder at the previous uh incarnation of prog power and now we have tommy back with roy's (laughs) old band um but it'll be fun to see them i hope that maybe they decide to shine a light um on some of the earlier songs, which they don't always tend to do on their live sets, but being that this is going to be a crowd that they know knows the old stuff that maybe, you know, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't kill you to play something from fourth legacy and a couple more songs from karma and Epica. And, and, uh, you know, I know Khan's not in the band anymore, but, uh, you know, they're all bowing to the old fans, but, um, it, it's, it's nice to see them back on the lineup. I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I was surprised as well. I, I don't know if I'll say pleasantly. I am cautiously optimistic, maybe more hopeful that they mix up the set list a little bit. But in the back of my mind, I'm expecting not that. So I, I, I'm almost not even thinking about their set. I'm just kind of seeing where it goes. I like the new material. It's not as good as Karma. It's not as good as Fourth Legacy. But it is what it is. I haven't seen them in a while, so that that will be fun. And that I'll brings tell you us what, to, I'll tell you what. Yeah. If they come out and play all of Dominion, um, you know, <laughs> you'll owe me a steak. Let's yeah, <laughs> I, 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 quite frankly, if they play all of Dominion, I may get you the steak during the Dominion set. But I, I digress. Um, Saturday, this this to me is a phenomenal lineup. Poverty's no crime. I think they have seven albums. They're opening from Germany. Uh, I am a big fan of this band, and I think as people listen to them, they will be too. In a two-spot, Shaman. I mean, there was a point, and obviously I know Andre is no longer with us, but there was a point where Shaman probably could have been a five-slot for this festival, and here they are as a two. But their new album is so good. That is going to be a phenomenal set. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I think there was a time where if Andre was in the band, they probably could have headlined uh, one I, of the nights, and I don't think anybody would have said it. An eyelash. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, their new album is, um, I've only listened to it one time, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's so, really good. And their la- and their set lists are really chock full of songs from the earlier albums as well. So I think that's going to just go over really well. They have great new material. They have great old material. Um really looking forward to this and it is kind of i was really shocked to see them that early on in the lineup and uh i'm just gonna skip one band just to to stick with the shocked part delane um announced in that four slot and again another band that i think would have been considered a headliner at one point in time but now with an unknown vocalist i mean i was shocked that they didn't at least want to kind of uh 
break the news with the the video announcement, but um, they 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 played some um, some of the some of the footage, but did not show the new singer's face. Um, it's definitely a she. Um, she sounds kind of like Charlotte, but isn't Charlotte, um, and doesn't sound like anybody I've heard before. I, I think this might be a new a new face. Um, but the music sounds pretty true to the Delane formula, and I'm excited about that. But again, like two bands that I would have um, would have been pegged much higher had not been for certain personnel changes over the years for whichever reason. And uh, um, I skipped over uh, Sweden's Orbit Culture. I'll let you uh, handle that one because I know you're a big fan. This band is going to – I'm afraid Delane won't play because I'm afraid that after Orbit Culture is done, there may not be a floor for people to stand on or a stage for people to play on. I am not the biggest fan of this band, although I do listen to them. I think it's more of I perceive this being a phenomenal live set. And um, just be careful because I have a feeling bodies are going to be thrown all over the place because of that chunky, groovy, fast, thrashy sound of theirs. I'm very much looking forward to that set. Uh, Unleash the Archers, who we spoke about earlier, in a five slot and Mirath returning as well in in the headlining spot. Um, that's a hell of a one-two punch, and I, I can guarantee you I will not be missing either one of those bands. And I don't know where I'm going to miss any bands. I, I just think it's a very, very interesting lineup. It's a diverse lineup, and that's only half the show, right? We, we have to look forward to Wednesday and Thursday as well. So good times ahead. Yeah, um, I thought Glenn did a good job kind of filling in some of the slots uh, with bands that were supposed to play and didn't. Um, Windrose comes to mind green carnation was supposed to play this year and uh, had to bow out um so they're they'll be back um and unleash the archers also at one point we're going to play this year and and they'll be back as well and in a much deserved um you know second to last slot on saturday night and uh, i think um they're when we talk about how good the sound can be in that building i think that that they're really going to shine in that uh in that venue and to cap it off with Mirath, who I think we all knew would be back in a headline slot or at least uh, second from the top. And, and it's well-deserved. This is a, a fan base that is going to eat this up myself included. And uh, I think it was only a matter of time before, for that to happen. So um, fantastic. We will, uh, I am positive. We will be talking about uh, a number of these bands in, in in full length uh throughout the next 15 months and we will definitely uh go over the rest of the lineup once it's announced uh from milton and nathan i don't believe we really have a but uh an eta on that so we'll just have to be patient and hang tight but um i think we know that that both of them uh usually do a, a very great job putting together a great lineup and uh this was um really memorable for me in a lot of uh for a lot of different reasons but like i said i I just think that it should be said that in spite of everything that has happened in the last three years and all the bands that had to bow out and all the the issues and whatever um it it turned out to be just a very memorable um just phenomenal show and i had a great time and i couldn't have asked for a better place to celebrate my 40th birthday and a better uh, group of people to celebrate it with. 
well said, and um, I look forward to celebrating my 41st birthday there next year. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be a good time for everybody. It was a fun fun weekend, a memorable weekend, and um, one I am sure to remember um, for years to come. Uh, and obviously, I am going to run now because I have to go listen to more Overkill, which I've been doing <laughs> nonstop today, and I still have uh, I'm still formulating an opinion. Um, I've got I've got thoughts. We'll get there, um, but I look forward to uh, releasing that next week, and then uh, we'll go back to our regularly scheduled format. Um, I feel like it's been a while since you and I have each requested albums, so I look forward to uh, kind of going back and, and and choosing some new stuff for us to check out. Yeah, I believe yeah, is it your turn next, right? I believe it is. Uh, I believe it is. I'll double check that. But either way, I've got a, a long, long list of stuff, and um, I spoke with a lot of people that wanted to hear a whole bunch of formal and informal requests that kind of just came up in passing with people saying like, Oh yeah, that would be a cool band to cover on the show. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to those and many more uh, in, in the coming weeks and months. Thanks to everyone for listening, for supporting us and uh, some good times ahead as, as, as we roll on with, uh, with 2022. Yeah. Uh, approaching episode 100 and boy, there are a hell of a lot of bands we haven't even talked about yet. So yes. Um, the, the train keeps a rolling so good times happy uh birthday i guess this puts a bow on it and i will uh catch up with you soon and we'll talk about some overkill sounds good buddy cheers take care <laughs>